Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, Dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, you guys. What is up? And welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger Podcast. I have such an incredible episode for you guys today. I'm telling you, I've been sitting on this episode since I batch a lot of my interviews and I have been dying to release it. So today's guest is none other than Dr. Mindy Pels, who is an expert in fasting and female hormones. Now, I have had so many conversations with you guys on Instagram and just like social in general about fasting. I'm a big fan of fasting. However, I have researched my hormones for years. I remember when I, you know, initially got into health and wellness, I knew so little about my hormones. It's actually embarrassing. And Obviously, as I got more and more into things, I realized that so much of what we know around health, wellness, biohacking in general is so geared towards men. And so I started to really look for women, like female doctors who were really on top of this sort of thing, which was like, you know, women's hormones, how to work biohacking trends and kind of like the latest and greatest in science to kind of work with our hormones and physiology. Anyway, so Dr. Mindy Pals is a total trailblazer when it comes to female hormones. She is an expert on fasting. And so this episode, we go really heavy into fasting. Okay. We talk about everything to do with intermittent fasting. At what point of your cycle should you be doing your fasts? How long those fasts should be? What defines a fast? What breaks a fast? When you should avoid fasting? Who should avoid fasting? What what the benefits of fasting? Honestly, you guys, this is your Bible for fasting, okay? And I am just so excited to bring you this episode. It is so, so value-packed. And, you know, it's a topic that I'm very passionate about, which you can probably tell by now. Okay, before we dive into this episode, I want to bring you this week's review, which you guys, when I read this, I almost cried, okay? 
it is just such a lovely review. And it comes to us from Eva Evaner, Evaner. And it says, this podcast makes my morning commute 10x better. I stumbled upon this podcast and have been listening to it every morning on my way to work ever since. I'm a fourth grade teacher and I'm in no way involved in the business world. This podcast enables me to learn so much about a vast variety of things related to business, beauty, health, etc. I'm in love with the show. Sif, thank you. This is such a sweet review and Evaner. I'm so grateful that you took the time to leave this review and that the show brings you value. I know you're a fourth grade teacher. And honestly, my fourth grade teacher was amazing. She actually is the one who introduced me to Harry Potter books. So I'm just teachers have like such a soft and special place in my heart. Anyway, thank you for leaving this review. And you guys, if you feel like the show brings you value and, you know, you're enjoying what you're hearing, please, please take the time to leave the show a rating and a review. All you have to do is open the Apple podcast app, scroll down to where it says rate and review the show. If you feel like I deserve it, leave me a five-star rating. And in the review section, tell me what you're liking about the show, your favorite topics, favorite guests, any guests you really want to see. Whatever feedback you give me helps me show up as a better host and make this show increasingly valuable for you. I'm always here to continue to improve and bring you better content. So the more I hear from you, the better. And I'm very, very grateful for any feedback you give me. Okay. Last thing before we dive into the show is this week's hot tip. And it is, since we're talking about fasting, an app for fasting, which I'm really enjoying. It's called Zero. I downloaded it about a week ago. And what you have to do is when you are starting your fast, so meaning like, you know, you've finished your dinner, you start your fast, and then you can set your goal for how long you want your fast to be. And so obviously after this episode, you'll understand how long your fast should be at various points in your cycle. And so you can set a goal based on that. And then it tells you when your fast is ended. And so it's just a really easy, effective way of keeping track of how long you're actually fasting for. So I highly recommend it. All right. With that, you guys, let's welcome Dr. Mindy Pels to the Dream Bigger podcast. So the first thing that I want to get into is what does it even mean to fast Mm -hmm. like a girl? Because, you know, I was saying to you a little bit that when I initially started fasting and like really understanding the benefits of it, I was like, I'm going to white knuckle it and Mm -hmm. I'm just going to fast, you know, 16 hours to 18 hours every day of my life. Yeah. Explain what it really means and why there's this variability when it comes to men and women. Yeah, it's 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 the million dollar question for sure. So thank you for starting off with that. I think the best way to understand it is to kind of see where I've come with the information mm-hmm. because about seven years ago, I just started teaching the principles of fasting on my YouTube channel. And I was just excited about what fat, what the body could do in the absence of food, how it could heal itself. And so I just was teaching the science, inspiring people to fast. And then I started to see this thread of women saying, it's great, I'm losing weight, but I'm I'm losing my hair, or I lost my cycle, or I can't sleep. Tell me why that's happening to me. And when I started to see it across hundreds of thousands of women, I was like, okay, there's a common theme here. And many of them said exactly what you just said. Many of them said, I, I can fast all month long except the week before my period. Mm-hmm. So I started to look at the different hormones. And one of the things that I noticed was that progesterone, which is the main hormone that week before our period, does not play by the other hormonal rules. And she needs two things. 
She needs cortisol to come down. So if you're like white knuckling it to your point through a fast, cortisol is spiking up and that's going to tank progesterone. And she needs glucose to be high. Well, glucose isn't high when you're fasting. So what she does is she makes you crave carbs. She makes you hungry. These are things that we've villainized as women forever. We've said, oh my gosh, we, I mean, I, I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. Yes, but, you can. <laughs> but we've bitched about it, right? We bitch. Totally. It. We're like, I don't, I don't feel like going out. I feel like sitting on the couch and just eating a tub of ice cream and a box of pizza. Well, in some sense, that's how you're hormonally designed that week. I'm not saying go eat a tub of ice cream and a box of pizza, but you are hormonally designed to eat more carbs, which is why that makes it the absolute worst time to fast mm -hmm. because you're going against progesterone. And if you do that long enough, A, I mean, God bless you for white knuckling it through that. But I watch a lot of women just say, I'm not going to fast. It doesn't work for me. I've watched a lot of women start to gain weight that week be, in a fasted state. So it's it's just that singular hormone plays differently. And then at ovulation, there's a different set of hormones that come in that need to be looked at differently. So we as women, we are we go by a 30, 28, 30-day 30 cycle. Our hormones come in and out. Men have one hormone that drives them. Testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> one hormone, and it comes every 15 minutes. We have three and they come in and out in a 28, 30-day cycle. And that's why we have to fast different. So let's get back to real basics, okay? So mm -hmm. two things. Number one, what are those three hormones and what are their mechanisms? Mm -hmm. And then number two is I want everyone to get a 101 on how our cycle works. Because yes. as we talked about, yeah. most people are just like, period. Right. But what about everything else? You yes. know? So yeah. let's get into those two points. Yeah. And if you say period like it's so exciting. No, most it's not. People, it's yeah. a period. Oh. <laughs> like, glad it's exciting, but most most of us are like, fuck, period. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right? So we bitch and moan about it. So, okay, so let's let's break it down on the hormonal differences, and then I'll go through the cycle, because yep. I think Perfect. that's really important. Mm -hmm. So men are driven by testosterone. Yes, they have estrogen, but believe it or not, testosterone has to go up into the brain, into their brain to be converted into estrogen. So it's not like their testes are producing estrogen. It's a, they are really driven by testosterone. The, the, the stats, the statistics and science on, on fasting for testosterone on men says if they intermittent fast 13, 15 hours, they can raise their testosterone by 1300%. If they intermittent fast all day, they can raise it by 2000%. What? Yeah. That's like, insane. Yeah, any man who wants to drive up testosterone, you should be fasting, bottom line. And wow. and you don't have to time it. You don't have to look at anything. So just fast away and you will have great benefits. Women were driven by three hormones, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. And in that scenario, each three of those hormones plays by different rules. Mm -hmm. So let's go through the cycle because then I what we'll do it with fasting, but I'm hoping that p women will see where Food needs to change, activities, exercise needs to change, sleep requirements change, everything changes for us during this cycle. So first 10 days, day one is the day you, you bleed. So that's, this is a question we get a lot. That is the day you actually have to use feminine care products. So spotting doesn't count. That is the first day of your cycle is when you actually bleed. Mm -hmm. That up until day 10, your body is making estrogen. Estrogen, if she could talk to you, she would say, keep glucose low, keep insulin low, 
And I don't care what you do with cortisol. If you want to go run a marathon, great. If you want to do a three-day water fast and raise cortisol, fine. If you have a big meeting that's stressing you out at work, go, lean into it. I'm, I'm not vulnerable to, to cortisol, which is amazing. So the first 10 days, we can really start to go, if you want to go keto, you can go into more of a keto state, lower carb, longer fast, and estrogen will shine. In fact, just to point out, anybody's got PCOS, infertility, this is what you should be doing those first 10 days. Now, when you go into ovulation, which is, you know, everybody ovulates differently. So that's the other thing to realize. But somewhere between day 10 and day 15, estrogen is at her peak. Testosterone now comes in, in that five-day period. It's at its peak, and you have a little bit of progesterone. Now, if we just look at this ovulation period for a moment, this is the one that trips me out the most. Let's go back to this idea that men get testosterone every 15 minutes. We get it, one little blurb, huge surge in somewhere between one day and two days in our ovulation window. And then we don't get a lot of testosterone the rest of the month, which fascinates me because if you're in a heterosexual relationship, there's gonna be a mismatch of libido based off of that. I mean, even in same-sex relationships, they'll be depending on what, if ovulation's occurring at the same time. So testosterone plays by for a woman, we, you know, it, testosterone can do well with fasting for a woman as well, although we don't have any research on it. But what testosterone really needs at that point is it needs you to focus on liver and gut so you can break testosterone down, you can break estrogen down. So I like when women go into that ovulation when period, don't go into ketosis. Don't try to, don't throw a big water fast at it. Turn your focus more towards foods that'll feed your microbiome. Look at more green leafy vegetables. If you eat meat, great. Eat a, eat a bunch of, uh, of meats. Grass-fed beef can be really nourishing for those hormones. But you want to bring glucose up a little and you want to support the liver and gut and you don't want a lot of stress because progesterone comes in and she doesn't want a lot of cortisol. So that's a weird little five-day period. I called it in the book, I call it the manifestation phase uh -huh. because we could manifest anything. We, we have our three hormonal superpowers like raring to go. So now is the best time to do podcast interviews, like be really social. I'm, I'm in that period Are you right ovulating? now. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Like if, if I could plan your podcast schedule for yeah. you, I would say do them five days in a row during ovulation. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Because you'll be the, uh, the estrogen makes us great conversationalists. It gives us great focus and we're able to multitask. Testosterone gives us drive and motivation plus libido. So you're, you're going to, you know, pop out of bed in the morning and be like, oh my gosh, I have three podcast interviews today. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then progesterone calms us a little. So we're not like all frantic and frazzled. We're going to be a little bit calmer. So that five-day period is the most, like that is when we shine. I call it our superpowers. That's when we can just do anything that wow. we want. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I am currently in full self-care mode. End of December and January are my time to reset. I really focus on wellness strategize on my goals and just set myself up for success for the whole year. And so it's so important for me to wake up feeling super clear with a ton of energy. And let me tell you the best way to do this while also enjoying social gatherings is non-alcoholic cocktails. Enter Monday's non-alcoholic craft spirits, including mezcal, gin, and whiskey, which provide the look 
feel, and most importantly, taste of your favorite beverage. I just feel like our social life and personal or wellness goals can totally coexist. And with Monday's non-alcoholic craft spirits, we can have a mezcal margarita without a hangover the next day. It's like magic. Whether you're taking part in dry January or wanting to cut back on alcohol after the holidays or just wanting to socialize without having to sip on an alcoholic beverage, this is really the perfect solution. Not drinking alcohol really shouldn't infringe on our ability to have fun or enjoy our favorite drink. Monday has a special offer for you guys. Visit drinkmonday.com slash dream bigger for 15% off your order. That's drinkmonday.com slash dream bigger for 15% off your order. So the next time you are at your social gathering and are enjoying a non-alcoholic mezcal margarita or old fashioned tag me, you will thank me later. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. How do I ask my boss for a raise? I'm so jealous of my coworker's promotion. I just don't know what to do. Is there a good way to brag about my accomplishments? Careers are complicated, and there are so many hush-hush topics we're told we can't talk about. That's why you have the Career Contessa podcast. I'm your host, Laura McGoodwin, and each week I'm joined by experts to help you overcome your workplace woes with actionable advice that you can use today. Subscribe to the Career Contessa podcast and make progress in your career every Tuesday. Okay, so then we have the first 10 days, then we have these five days, and yeah. then what happens? Okay, so then after five, the after ovulation, around day 16, you're going to see a dip in hormones again. So whenever hormones go low, we can fast more, we can exercise more, we can push whatever our health habit is, we can push it to a little more extreme. And how long is that period? Yeah, it's short. Great, great question. It's like four days. Okay. So it's like day 16 to day you know, 19, mm-hmm. 20 in there. But around day 20, now you're really building progesterone. And that's where everything needs to shift in the cycle. So when progesterone starts building at that point, you want to step out of ketosis. You don't want to fast. That would not be the time to run a marathon. Would be not be the time to start a workout plan. You wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to really take on something that's really conflict heavy, where yeah. you're like have to come at something at work or in a relationship. Wait till ovulation to do that. So it's I guess when you go a little bit more inwards. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and actually, when I what I've done now, I've just studying hormones for so long. I've gone back to some of the ancient texts that we have and looked at like before in the BC years was more of a matriarchal society. And I went back to go look at like, what did they do? And, you know, they didn't, they didn't have cell phones and things like that, obviously, but they, there was a period of rest that happened before your cycle started. 
And if you think about it, what happens when our cycle starts is that it's a shedding. So we go inner the week before our cycle so that we can be reflective about what needs to shed so that once blood starts, we can shed that out. This is really fascinating stuff. So let's talk about the fast lengths and like Mm -hmm. optimal food times during these different points of the cycle. Okay. So in the book, I put out six different length fasts and I did it based off science and then off of what I'm seeing in my community and what worked for women. So they run anywhere from 13 hours, which is pretty much intermittent fasting, all the way up to 72 hours, which is the three-day water fast. And each one does something different. So I call them switches that like at 13, 15 hours, you're going to get growth hormone, inflammation's going to come down, the body's going to switch over into ketosis usually. So there's, that's sort of the first step. By 17 hours, your cells are looking within themselves and they stimulate autophagy, which cleans up the inner parts of the cell. At 24 hours without food, now your whole intestinal microbiome, the whole gut resets. So if you've been on birth control for decades and had are having some gut problems, you've been on antibiotics, then 24-hour fast will help you repair that. 36 hours of fasting, your body says, okay, food hasn't been coming in. How about we go find that food that we stored years ago? And that's the magic weight loss one. That's where the body starts to let go of weight because it's burning fat to make ketones. 48 hours, your whole dopamine system gets reset. You get new dopamine receptors. And at 72 hours, your whole whole immune system gets reset. Wow. Right? All for free. I I mean, it's pretty incredible. (laughs) It's the health benefits. So talk to me about when, like, I guess, like the lengths of time in which we should be fasting at different points of our cycle. I'm guessing, obviously, like you shouldn't attempt the 24 to 72 hours unless you are in like first 10 days or the four days in the, yeah. like 16 to 19, I guess. Yeah. So the first six are great. And you got it in the first 10 days. Yeah. Like do them. If you want to do a three day water fast, which I really encourage. Have you ever, have you done a three day? I've actually not. Yeah. The longest I've done is 24. Okay. The thir- you would like the three day. And let mm-hmm. me tell you why is that the mind quiets and there's a lot of spiritual insight and you really, anytime I have a problem, I can't quite wrap my head around the answer, I throw a, a longer, like three-day fast at it. And the, and the answer comes. It's, wow. it's crazy. So you should attempt that in the first 10 yeah, days. Of in the, the first 10 days. Got so it. that's in the first 10 days. Then when you go into ovulation, hormones are now high. So this is where it's a little bit different for every woman. So during ovulation, I say, keep it around 17 hours. Try not to go more than that because you've got progesterone there. So you don't want to spike too much of your of your, your cortisol. But the other thing that's really interesting is that when hormones go high, a lot of times that surge of hormones cause toxins to come out of our tissues. So if you have a high toxic load in your body, you might feel worse with a fast that's 17 hours or longer during ovulation because you're just detoxing too much. So I like women to keep it under 17 hours, even closer to 15 hours during ovulation. Then you come out of ovulation, day 16 to 19, go ahead and fast as long as you want. You can throw Mm -hmm. another three day, you can do 24. And then the week before day 20, no fasting. And how, like what time to what time should you, or like what's the break that you should be giving your body during that last period? So uh, a food break, you mean? Yes, like you're not fasting, but like what are the optimal eating times? Yeah, you know, I think most people would say about eight hours. At eight hours, here's the thing to remember, eight hours after the last meal Uh that you ate, 
what happens is your body starts to make the switch over into the fat burning system. Uh-huh. So we have two ways we make energy. One is from the food we eat and the other is from the fat we burn. So after eight hours, your body goes, hmm, it doesn't seem like blood sugar is going up. So I better switch over to this other system. And it's when we switch over to that system is what the presence of that is ketones. Ketones tells us, oh, I'm in the fat burner system now. So somewhere to answer the question, but understand the principle behind it is that somewhere between eight hours and 12 hours is safe because you won't switch over into that, into the fat burner. Interesting, because I always thought it was 12, so I didn't even know it was eight. So like typically, I mean, I think I just do better when I'm fasting for like minimum of like 10 hours between food, but typically 12. So it's interesting that eight hours is like also like a good, good idea when you're like right before you're starting a period. Yeah. When I wrote Fast Like a Girl, Uh my editor and I spent like three days analyzing when the fasting window starts for people. Right. And it's really hard to analyze that because we're all different and it depends on the quality of the meal we ate. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So I dove into the research and what I realized is that eight hours for most people is where you start to make that metabolic switch. Now, some people, it may take 12 hours, but for women, what what women need to know is that week before her period, let's keep, if 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 you're like, I don't like breakfast, fine, but let's keep your fasting somewhere between eight and 12 hours. So talk to me about cravings during a period, okay? Mm -hmm. Or like our period, because, you know, technically speaking, like this period before our period is when, you know, we're more so like craving the carbs and all of that. But then what about those women who are like, oh, like when I have my period, all I want to do is, you know, sit on my couch and eat some ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think if we're honest, I think most women would say that. Mm-hmm. So again, it, this is we are so brilliantly designed. And this is this is like to the to the mission cry you and I had when we walked in here to, and started this conversation is I want women to understand that that's normal. That is that is completely normal to crave carbs and here's why is because your body needs glucose to be higher. It needs more glucose to make progesterone. And progesterone has to come in in spades during that time in order for that uterine lining to shed. Mm -hmm. So your body is giving you the signal, give me carbs. Mm -hmm. The problem is we typically give the wrong carbs. So what I always say is lean into nature's carbs. So your potatoes, your squashes, sweet potatoes are like the hero of, of women's hormones in general. But sweet potatoes, fruits, tropical fruit, you lean into more of the carb-rich foods that are not processed. Where we mess ourselves up is when that craving kicks in and we kind of do that moment of like, ah, yeah, it's the week before my period. I'm just going to forget my diet and I'm going to go weigh in on the pizza and all of the junk food. If we took a step back and we said, okay, body, what are you needing from me right now? If progesterone could speak, she would say, give me more glucose. Well, do that in a healthy way. Do that in in food that supports your health, not depletes your health. Makes all the difference. And then once your period starts, what most women find following this protocol is that they don't get the cramps in the beginning of their cycle. They don't get the like, oh, I just want to be on the couch the first three days of my cycle. That's happening to you. You didn't mind the week before your cycle. If you take care of that time, once you bleed, you actually feel really good. That is so fascinating and something that isn't talked about enough, I think, because 
I think we've normalized feeling like shit during our period. We have. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you have cramps and you have no energy. That's exactly how you're supposed to be. So I think that the conversation around how you are supposed to kind of set yourself up for success Mm -hmm. during your period by, you know, doing all the things that we're supposed to right before. Right. Is so important. Right. So. Talk to me about how we should be eating in terms of like any specific foods that are really good for us at specific times of the month. So, of course, like you spoke about those like really nutrient rich, starchy carbs, yeah. like the week right before our pe- or like the period right before our period. What is it like eight, eight days? Yeah. Ten days, yep. whatever. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's about seven, eight days. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what about the rest of the cycle? Yeah. So if we go back through the cycle, yeah. day one through day 10, you want to keep glucose low. Mm-hmm. So you can do, you know, that's where keto shines. If you do paleo, that's great, but you don't want to get your glucose too high because you're going to be more prone to being insulin resistant during that time-ish. So that's a a complicated hormonal fact. But between day one and day 10, let's go low carb. Let's focus in a little more on meats. I like for estrogen, I like a lot of the oils like flaxseed oil, a lot of the, the raw nuts like walnuts, almonds, if you can handle almonds, those really do well for estrogen. But the main thing estrogen wants is for glucose to be low. When you move into ovulation, what you want to do during ovulation is break all those hormones down. And you need two organs to do that. You need your liver and you need your gut. So let's lean into what we know nourishes those two organs. Well, all your cruciferous vegetables. So you're talking about Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, you want to eat more greens than you've eaten ever, ever eat the rest of the month. Like you should like pour into the greens during that time. You should look at more polyphenol foods like olives and chocolate again. You'll see I bring chocolate in through the whole thing. So, but olives, a a lot more of the spices, blueberries, those kind of things are really great. So that is the time to really focus in on making sure that you're bringing and nourishing these two major organs that are going to start to break down the hormones you spent the first half of your cycle making. So just because you make a hormone doesn't mean you actually metabolize that hormone. So ovulation is where the metabolizing process happens. You need a good healthy gut and you need a really good liver, supportive liter, liver. That would also, not a lot of people are talking about this, but that would be the time to avoid alcohol because you need your liver to be at high, high function to be able to break those hormones down. And then when you come out, again, we have another five-day period. You can go keto, and then we go into progesterone. So I want to get into estrogen dominance Mm -hmm. because estrogen is a hormone that you want to use it and lose it. Yeah. So I guess that this is the period when we should be focusing, like the five-day period during ovulation is when we really have the optimal opportunity to really break down and get rid of that. Yeah. Estrogen yeah. buildup. Yeah. So there's so much to the estrogen clearance conversation. Yeah. But what a lot of women should, you know, if the first part of your cycle is focused on making estrogen, yeah. the middle part of your of your cycle is focused on breaking it down so it could go into the cell then the last part of your cycle is about clearing estrogen. And in that moment, it's really not, there's not like a food you can eat. This is where we have to look at like our detox pathways. So more movement until until you hit the, the week before your period, but are you sweating? So infrared saunas would be great at 
post-ovulation, any any event that you do or workout that's going to clear estrogen would be great. Any of the lymph work, like if you're doing dry brushing, that would be a time to do it. You want to make sure you're having normal bowel movements. So if you're not having normal bowel movements during that time, make sure that you're focused on, on getting good bowel movements because you need all those detox pathways to be open. Sleep is really important because our brain shrinks when we sleep at night. So you want to make sure you're sleeping on day, you know, 16, 15, 16. So it's all just the natural habits that will clear estrogen. Got it. Okay. So then we've covered day one through 10, then the five-day period of ovulation. What about after? What are the foods we should be focusing on? So when you come out of ovulation, you can go low carb again. So just to make it a little bit more simple, in the in Fast Like a Girl, what I did is I call each phase a different name. Okay, tell us the names. Yeah, because I, I was like, when we went to when we went into to hormones, it's so boring. Like the name of the hormones are so boring, follicular, luteal. Like yeah. nobody even knows what those are. So I give them new names. So the first day one through day ten is power a power phase, meaning you Love can that. yeah the you, rebrand. That's Dr. right, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like we can power up on anything during that time. You decide if you want to like take CrossFit to a whole new level, do it during that time. The ovulation window is manifestation time. So I call it the manifestation phase because you can manifest a baby, you can manifest a new job, you can manifest a great podcast interview. You you get to decide. Then when you come out of the manifestation phase, we have another power phase. Mm -hmm. It follows the same rules as that first 10 days. So lower, bring down glucose, fast a little longer, work out a little longer, that goes till about day 1920. And then the last phase, I call it the nurture phase because it's really a time to nurture yourself. And that's how we'll get progesterone to shine. Very cool. So I want to get into weight loss a little bit mm. because this is a tough subject, okay? Tough. It's really tough because, you know, because the literature on nutrition, fasting, all of that is so male centric, mm-hmm. it's really hard to understand how we can work in partnership with our body mm-hmm. if weight loss is part of someone's journey. Right. So what do you recommend there? You know, is it possible that people hold on to weight even though they're doing like, I guess, all of the right things just because they've ignored the hormone piece? Yeah. Well, so the first thing to answer that question is weight loss is a hormonal issue. It is not a calorie in, calorie out issue. So if that blows your mind, what I want you to remember is that if it was a calorie in, calorie out issue, we would have solved the obesity problem. I, I mean, I've sat with thousands of women who have pounded the, the treadmill for hours on end and deprived themselves of food to not lose a single pound. So obesity is, we're not gonna fix that problem by, by trying to exercise more and eat less. So it's a hormonal issue and it really comes down to one hormone, which is insulin. So if your insulin goes high and you become more insulin resistant or continuously, insulin is the hormone that pushes glucose into the cells. So if you're insulin resistant, your cells can't hear insulin, then it has nowhere to put glucose. So what you're brilliant, I just want to point this out. This is an amazing mechanism of your body. Your brilliant body, what it does is it says, okay, I can't get glucose in the cell, so I'm going to store it as fat. So fat, all fat is, is fat is just storing the excess. It's storing excess sugar, excess hormones, excess toxins, and it did, your body did that to save your life. 
which is crazy to mm-hmm. think about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is why fasting works is because when we go a period of time without food, what we're doing is we're telling our bodies to go find the excess it stored years ago. So when we go 15 hours, that's usually enough time for the body to go, okay, I got to burn something else because I don't have blood sugar coming up. But the longer you fast, that's why I love the 36-hour fast. The longer you fast, the more opportunity you and signals you're sending your body to go get the, what it stored years ago. And, and that's that that's totally different paradigm of weight loss. And why I think so many people are coming to fasting is because you you burn fat. You you literally burn fat for your own survival in that moment. But the byproduct of that is something called a ketone that gives you energy and mental clarity. And then once that fat is burned, it doesn't come back. It's, I mean, it's like a wow. permanent, I, I don't know if you've noticed that in when you've been fasting, but it's like, a, it is a permanent weight loss. Yeah. No, no other tool, calorie in, calorie out has never been able to get to that to that place. So then what about in that last period, the nurture stage mm-hmm. of our cycle, when we are supposed to be doing the, like, you know, eating within an eight to 12 hour window? Mm-hmm. What if someone fasts then? What is the impact of cortisol in all of this? Yeah. So, so the, in the book, I talk about something called the hormonal hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And so sex hormones are controlled by insulin. Insulin is controlled by cortisol. Mm. So the problem is, is if you are in a part of your cycle where cortisol is not welcome, then it will mess up insulin. And when, and when you mess insulin up, now you're going to store more fat because that whole insulin system is going to get off. So whether you decide to fast or not, really the name of the game the week before our period is keep cortisol down. Like don't go, don't stay up all night. This is not the time to push yourself there. In fact, in Spain, they're, they're offering a three day menstrual leave for any woman and no questions asked. You can take it whenever you want to take it. Wow. Right. And I'm like, and so I'm like, you should take it the week before your period. That's when every, if I lived in Spain, that's when I would be taking it is the three, three for three days before my cycle actually comes again. Dr. Mindy, where do you think this myth came from that like during our period, we're so helpless? Like, where do you think it even came from? Because, you know, if we're looking at our hormone profile, like that's the power we, you know, why, why is there this kind of yeah. Myth, I guess. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to go woo-woo on you a little bit. So I I, I really, if you look at the history of women, mm-hmm. we used to, again, have this matriarchal society that was in the BC years. And in the matriarchal society, our intuition was highlighted. We had our, our uh, softness around our femininity and our cycle, just the way our cycle showed up and came and went was really highlighted. And, and in fact, in those days, we used to map with the cycles of the moon a lot. Ceremony was really highlighted. Community um, with other women was really highlighted. That was part of that culture. Then we moved to the patriarchal society that we've been in. And in the patriarchal society, there's been a lot of shaming around women's hormones. Like, I mean, down to the fact that it's ridiculous that you go into your doctor's office and they don't ask you about your cycle. Like, why don't they ask you about like how much you bleed? Do you clot? Does it come regular, regularly? These are really important questions. So not even our doctors are asking that. But we also have a lot of shame as women. You know, it's like we don't, I see it changing now. But, you know, my generation, when I grew up, it's like you didn't, you didn't share that you were on your period. 
you were embarrassed if if any blood showed, like it was like this secret event that would happen. Well, now I feel like what we're doing is we're coming into a blending of those two societies. And I think more women are standing up and talking about it. More women are having this conversation. More women are demanding from their doctors that we look at hormones different. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is just coming from the from younger generations. So I, I think it's changing, but I think it's been a lot of just with the society we've been living in. It it is it has conditioned us to shame our hormones. Yeah. And I think lean a little bit too heavily on our masculine energy versus right. our feminine. That's and right. I think that that's just not how we're programmed. And that's, that's right. not how we can be whole human beings. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean really if if you think about it, we want to be drivers in this world. You know, yeah. we love what we do. We got a lot of type A women out there and we can still be a driver. But then how do we soften the week before our period? Yeah. Yeah. If we just took that week and we just said, OK, we're going to soften. We're going to let go. We're going to we're going to take some time off. Then all the other part of the cycle would work right. I love that. Right. It's like such a great tip. So I want to get into exercise. OK. How can we optimize like how we're working out. For example, like I'm someone I love to weightlift. How mm-hmm. should I be structuring that kind of like workout? Should I be weightlifting at certain points and kind of like avoiding at others? If someone is obsessed with cardio, like what do you recommend? Give us all your knowledge on yeah. exercise. Yeah. So exercise is a really fun one too. So again, we'll go around the cycle. Let's do it. So, and I'll use the the, the phases now that you know yes. the phases. Okay. So power phase is when you can do all your cardio. So that's day one through day 10, day 16 through day 20. You can cardio it up and really push your workouts. Weightlifting is great for women in general, and I'll talk about why in a moment, but you can weightlift the whole cycle. But in those, the power phases, you want to do more functional weightlifting. So the burst activities, the plyo, the hit training, all the, the CrossFit stuff, the box jumps, all of that is best done in the power phases. Once you go into, and you can do quick reps. So if you like weightlifting, you can lift heavy and you can lift quick. When you go into the manifestation phase, that ovulation period, what happens when you have a lot of estrogen is that the ligaments will change. So the tendon attaching to the bone becomes stiffer and, the, and, the, and then the muscle and ligament that comes off of that gets more flexible. So you are actually more prone to injury during that that time period. So you can still lift, you can still lift heavy, but it can't be quick or you're going to pull muscles a lot more. So sl- uh, what I say is slow rep, you know, less reps, heavier weights, slower movements. I also wouldn't do, that would not be the time to do a lot of CrossFit. That would not be the time to run a marathon because you've got all those hormones high. Now, I have had this conversation a lot with several people, which is you have all that testosterone. I was going to ask you, yeah. Yeah, so I think you can build muscle really well during that time. So if you want to lift to like exhaustion or fatigue, fabulous. Just do it slow so you don't pull any muscles. Mm -hmm. And then the second power phase we already talked about, but during nurture, we're back at cortisol. So if you can go and do a workout and it's easy for you, it's not a new workout, great. But what I would love to see women do is use that week before, lean into more yoga, more Pilates, do softer, be a little softer with yourself during that week. You could look at it as a recovery period. In fact, I'm working with Tony, do you know Tony Horton? P90X, he did it. Yes, 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 of course. So he and I are putting together, working on some exercise 30-day cycle that would match a woman's hormones. That is 
so necessary. Oh my God. Because back in the day, I I used to box. Mm. Like I loved boxing. That was my favorite workout. And I remember like when I first started learning about it was when I was boxing a lot. And I was like, holy shit, this explains why a boxing class or a session is so easy during certain times of the month. And then like other times I'm like, holy crap, I'm like, you know, huffing and puffing and I come out of this class and I can't do anything again after for the rest of the day because I'm so exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we look at what's happening to women right now, PCOS is just, it feels like every woman that every conference I'm at, a woman comes up to me about PCOS. Like every woman's got that seems like infertility is really a a, a major issue right Mm -hmm. now. And then what I see a lot with with women that are more on my age is that menopause is like insane right now. And it's happening even younger. On on my Instagram coming here, I was looking at a comment from a woman who's 25 that they think they told her that she may be going into perimenopause. I'm like, no, no, no. That is not normal. At 35 right now, they're telling women that they're going into perimenopause. That is not normal. We were meant we were meant to go into menopause somewhere between 52 and 55. And so the perimenopause years should be between about 45 into your early 50s. So if at 35 and 25, they're telling you you have perimenopause, that's a hormonal issue that needs to be looked at. Oh, my God. Yeah. OK, so then talk to me then about PCOS and fasting. Like, what mm-hmm. can we do? And if someone is kind of being told, oh, you're going into perimenopause and you're like way too young for that. Yeah. What can we do? So PCOS is two two things. Very simply, it's insulin resistance and it's toxicity. Mm-hmm. So I just, the, I, in the new book, I have a 30-day fasting reset where a woman can just follow that every single day for 30 days. And what we see in my clinic is that that is like 50% of PCOS will completely go away just from following that. And it's anywhere from 30 to 90 days following the, the I call it a fasting reset, the 30-day plan I have in there because it's built for a woman to become insulin sensitive around her cycle. Wow. So, so that was, we also saw, a, a, we did, it wasn't a, a large scale, but of five women that I put through that, that were struggling to get pregnant, all five got pregnant, putting them through this fasting reset. Because we're just, I'm just, all I did was map fast and foods to a woman's hormones. And then now she does that. She's living in accordance with her hormones. So no longer does she have PCOS. No longer is she infertile. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. It's so powerful. So, and then the other issue for PCOS is our phthalates, specifically toxins. So, you know, the detox fast we have is a 17-hour fast. So try to do more of those in the power phases. But otherwise, you might need to, you know, definitely look at your, your beauty products, look at your cleaning supplies, Look at your chemical environment and make sure that you are not overloading yourself with toxins. I mean, this stuff is really, really fascinating. So people like from my audience, because I I told them that you were coming on and they had so many questions about fasting but and hormones specifically. What is the best way to test our hormones? Is the Dutch test the gold standard? What do you recommend? Yeah, to answer the first question, the Dutch test is the best. It is. It is. And here's why I I get a lot of women that will come to me and say, well, my doctor did a blood test. Can I just use that for you to interpret? Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that a lot of doctors are doing blood tests and they don't even know what day cycle Mm -hmm. a woman's on. So that's not of no use at all. So we need to know the day of your cycle. And then in a blood test, we can look at where at what hormone was showing up or not showing up. 
The other problem though with a blood test is that you're only getting a small snippet. So you're looking at what the two minutes it took to draw the blood out of you. So with a Dutch test, we take five readings. We take a 5 p.m., we take a before you go to bed, if you get up in the middle of the night, and two in the morning. So six if you get up. So you're getting to see a pattern. In fact, they even have ones now that you can do one every day for your whole cycle and see a pattern. Something that I wanted to ask you about is what about if your period is different every month. So for example, Mm. say one month you have a 28 day cycle and the next you have a 30 and the next it's a 31. Like how can someone know what phase they're at if there's like a little bit of a difference in terms of how many days their cycle is lasting? So it's a great question. And you know, what's weird is that we don't ovulate out of the same ovary every month. So you might get a right ovary ovulation and then you might get that two months in a row Uh and then you get a left ovary ovulation and because your eggs are constantly alternating between the two ovaries, that there can also be a difference in the cycle length. And a lot of women don't have like clockwork cycle length. That is that really, crazy? really fascinating. Yeah. And so then what can we do? Like, how can we realize like, okay, you know, this is the power phase. This is ovulation. Like, is there a way to kind of like ballpark? Yeah, I think it's the same answer that I give perimenopausal women, which is get to know your hormones and their personalities. Mm -hmm. So I know that, and I, you know, as a, I'm in that sort of perimenopause, menopause moment of, of my life, I know that when I'm really hungry, that and and it's nine o'clock in the morning and I'm craving carbs that progesterone is calling me and I need to feed her. And so I lean into more of the carb rich foods that I spoke of and I do less fasting. I know that when I'm not hungry in the morning and I can rock ketosis that I've got more of estrogen coming in. I know that when I'm feeling really motivated and driven and I wanna go work out a lot that testosterone is coming in. So you can get to know these. And in the book, I lay out like their personalities very, very clearly for women. Now, you're talking about the subtleties within one or two days of a cycle. So if I go back through the cycle, the first question I would have for women is, can you feel, and and I I don't know if you know the answer to this for you, can you feel when you ovulate? Like, No. Yeah. No. But I'd be curious if you pay attention, if you'll be able to notice. Like a lot of times it's just pressure in our lower abdomen. Um, Sometimes we get a little cramping on one side more than the other. Sometimes it's low back pain that shows up on one side just out of nowhere or the other. Because as what happens during ovulation is that there are messages being sent from the brain to the ovaries telling the ovaries to be able to release an egg. And the major driver of that messaging is estrogen. So you've got to have estrogen build, 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 build to it has to peak in order for that egg to be released. So you're going to have a different sensitivity to estrogen on each one of those ovaries. So it's going to be a little different. That is so fascinating. What compromises of breaking a fast? And I ask this because I know that there's a lot of literature around like, for example, like bulletproof coffee or like, you know, ingesting fats and maybe that doesn't do anything or, you know, people talk about like a broth fast. So what do you recommend? Like, what do you think breaks a fast and how can you integrate these things in? Yeah. So it's anything you put from the outside in that raises your blood sugar. So black coffee might work for you. It may not work for me. Coffee and cream bulletproof style might with butter might work for you, might not work for me. 
So uh, what determines our, our blood sugar levels are microbiome. So we all have different microbiomes and that's going to dictate if your blood sugar goes up or down when you're in a fasted state. So in the book, I have a whole chapter on breaking a fast, but here's the real simple way to look at it. Take a blood sugar reading, have your cup of coffee, have whatever you're, you're questioning, eat it, drink it, and then a half an hour, take another reading. Are those two numbers the same? If they're the same number, you stayed in a fasted state. And what's the best way to measure blood glucose? Would, it, would you have to get a CGM? You either A CGM or the easiest is the little meters you can get in at your drugstore. Or I like Keto Mojo. We have it on our website. And you just prick your finger and just do those quick measurements really quick. Oh, my God. Amazing. Okay, Dr. Mindy, I could talk to you forever, but we're almost out of time. So I want to do a quick rapid fire before we wrap. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the first question, what is a habit that's a non-negotiable for you? Right now, it's sleep. Mm. That's a new one for me. Okay. Actually, I'm going to expand on this a little bit. Talk to me about our cycles and how we can optimize sleep. Sleep, yes. So the, it's, we're back at the, you're going to struggle to sleep the most the week before your period. And you can support that with great magnesium. Come in. I megadose magnesium during that time. And like anytime I struggle to sleep, I megadose magnesium so that I could help progesterone shine a little more. But otherwise, you should be able to sleep the rest of the three weeks. You should be fine. It's just the week before our cycle. And how much magnesium should we be taking? It's a great question. Everybody's a little different. So, you know, we do anywhere from 500 milligrams to 1,000 milligrams of magnesium. But it depends on the quality of the product. If the product's high quality, you might not need 1,000. What's your favorite? Do you have a favorite brand? Yeah, my favorite right now, I... I go between upgraded formulas is one. And then my other new favorite is bio-optimizers. Love. Yeah. Bi- oh my God. That thing is amazing. Yeah. They, I think what they did is that they put all the different types of magnesium. So good. Yeah. But that thing is like a tranquilizer and I sleep so well with it. It's, it's amazing. It's actually incredible. I tried it for the first time. I got breast reduction earlier this year. And mm. so that was recommended to me by my doctor. I had never tried that brand of magnesium. And I was like, this thing is incredible. Yeah. Like it's so good. Yeah. I have to be careful when I take it because yeah. if I take it like at five o'clock, like don't turn a movie on, I'm out. Yeah. But if I take it at like eight o'clock, it seems like I can fall asleep well at 10 or 11. Okay. Love that. Number two, if someone is wanting to do just one simple thing for their hormones today, what would you recommend? Well, the first would be get to know your cycle, get to know them, know when they come, know when they go. If you're perimenopause, your menopause, know what's going on during that time. I mean, I, I hope that when people get fast, like a girl, that they're going to have so much hormonal awareness but you got to know those hormones well. So that would be the first thing. And then the second thing I would say really would be eating and fasting for those hormones. Those are foundational situations. I I get questions about like, should I do maca? Should I do zinc? I heard zinc is really great. All those are wonderful, but let's get your diet and your fasting. Let's get, and and even your exercise, let's get that dialed into your, to your cycle first. Mm -hmm. And then we can go play with those other pieces. Very cool. Last question, recommend your top three books for people wanting to learn about hormones. Oh, I was like, oh, I could go down a lot of paths. Gosh, for learn. Okay, my top book. This is my top book. I say it all the time. People who follow me know know it. And I adore this author, Dr. Libby Weaver. And the book is Rushing Woman Syndrome. I've not even heard of it. Oh my God, you have to listen to it because here's what happened to me. I had it recommended to me three times. Uh Uh-huh. And I said in my head, literally, like, I don't have time to read that. Okay, let's go back to the title of it, Mm -hmm. Rushing Woman Syndrome. And my friend who recommended it on the third time, she said, I know you don't have time to read it, 
but you need to read it. And the way that she looked at me, I was like, okay. So I took it on vacation with me and I wept. And here's why I love that book is that it was the door open to me understanding that just because I was a powerful, capable woman, that I wasn't meant to drive, drive, drive all month long, that I needed to take more time to nurturing, that our biology demands that we take more time to nurture. And in that acceptance comes power. It's when we push through and we don't understand our biology. We try to live our life like a man. We try to work like a man, work out like a man. We're now going away from our power and, and, we're, and we're depleting our hormones. And rushing woman syndrome will help you understand when to rush is okay and when not to rush. Okay. It's amazing. Dr. Mindy, where can everyone find you and get your book? So you can go to fastlikeagirl.com. That's where all the all the places for the book will be found. And support your local vendors, I, local bookstores. I'm a, a big local bookstore fan. We got to bring them back. And then otherwise, drmindypels.com is where everything's at. YouTube is really my passion project. I put tons of science in there, tons of application of fasting and Instagrams where, you know, I read my DMs there and that's just Dr. Pels. Amazing. Thank you for being here. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.